Hello, this is A Star to Seer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ames, and joining me are... Caitlin. Jake. And Chris. And we are on episode four. Woo. This episode, we're going to be talking about the naked time and the enemy within. Obviously, we're jumping over where no man has gone before, because we did it in the pilots. But I'm excited for these episodes as well. Welcome again to A Star to Steer Her by Storytime, for lack of a better term. So we got some feedback from the first little fill-in I did and found out I slightly overdid it. People were looking for just sort of a quick little, quick and dirty little thing and I kind of went on an overlong summary. So this week, good and snappy. Our episodes are The Naked Time and The Enemy Within. In our first episode, The Naked Time, the crew of the Enterprise is infected by a mysterious space virus that causes the crew to slowly go mad. Captain Kirk must race against time and his own potential infection to figure out what's behind all this to try and save his crew before his ship plummets into a slowly decaying planet. In The Enemy Within, a teleporter malfunction splits Captain Kirk into two halves, one good, one evil, and it is soon discovered that one cannot survive without the other. Meanwhile, an away team is trapped on a freezing world, and they must figure out how to repair the transporter and put Kirk back together before they can be rescued. As always, I would advise if you want something a little more in-depth and you don't have time to watch the episodes, pop on over to Memory Alpha. They have very thorough episode descriptions. All right. Well, enjoy the episode proper. So, The Naked Time, or as we've been just referring to it as Space Madness. A classic. Yeah, definitely one of the... um... You know, again, another one of those episodes that when people think about Star Trek, one of the first ones that they think about, mostly because of shirtless Sulu with yeah. the sword. Yeah, I mean, that's basically just um, an internet meme at this point. I mean, it's also, I don't know if it's the only episode, I'm trying to think, it may be the only episode that gets a direct sequel in The Next Generation. That's The Naked Now? With The Naked Now, which is... Basically the same episode. I mean, yeah. It would almost be a remake, I think. Um, except yeah. that they, I think they acknowledge the the events of the Naked Time. Did, the did they just now. reinfect themselves and with that red goo? Someone else gets an itchy nose and has to scratch it on this contaminated planet? Uh, I don't remember exactly how it goes down, but it's very similar. Right down to the... Uh, uh, the interaction that Spock and Chapel have is repeated by Data and Tasha Yar, except being that it's the 80s, they actually go forward with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Data. Yeah. Who's Tasha Yar? Oh my god, is she the, are you, is this the program for pleasure, whatever yeah. sequence between yeah. him Fully and Fully functional. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, from, yeah. that's from their Naked that's Now? That's from the Naked Now. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I've seen that. I've seen, like, some Data compilations because I found out he had a cat. So obviously that's the only reason that I would have done that. So. Um, but yeah, yeah. So this 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 episode does have basically a sequel yeah. in the next gen. Uh, it's not a great episode of the next gen, but it is a pretty good TOS episode. I think. Yeah, yeah. I it was mean, fun. I, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of I'm getting to the end here, but we can double back. But I feel like there's shades of Captain Pike's gloominess in Kirk's eventual when he finally gets the space rattlesnake madness. <laughs> like he's like, you know, the ship, no time for anything else. Eh. 
you know, walking on the beach with Yeoman Rand. And I feel like part of, like, Pike's hang-up in, in the cage had been feeling sort of tied to command in his ship and being proper in all this. Mm. I also forgot just how little of the episode Kirk actually spends in space madness. Yeah, he's space mad for, like, what, 45 seconds? Yeah, till Doc rips injected. his sleeve off for some reason. Yeah, but we do get the shirt rip, so we that's do. all we needed. Even though hypos work Ding. just fine through shirts. Oh, McCoy. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the major message of this episode in general is be aware of proper hazmat protocols. Oh, that fucking guy. When you're on an alien planet and you're specifically wearing the hazmat suit, don't take off your glove to scratch your nose. Yeah, I'm sorry. And then you touch shit in the environment. Yeah, no. What it's the like, fuck, dude? What kind of fucking scrub does that? You know, like, I mean, you went to the Academy for how long <laughs> and you fuck up this quickly? I mean, I said this when we were watching it. This guy would have done great in Prometheus. Yeah. You know, those fucking dingbats. Like, oh, well, it's a breathable atmosphere. Let's take our helmets off. I said nothing about germs. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of uh, that, one of the best scenes, I think, in Galaxy Quest when they land on mm. the alien planet and... They just open the door and Sam Rockwell's like, you don't know if there's air? And like he's holding his breath and everyone else is like, that seems fine. (laughs) No odors or anything. No skunks here. We're good. Just those (laughs) terrible gremlin babies. Yeah. But that's another episode. But yeah, so so Ensign Jackass there, or Lieutenant Junior Grade, I don't know. Either way, that dimwit sets it all off by taking off his helmet. No. Taking off his glove and reaching into it. I mean, let's be fair. Those suits were clearly not sealed that well. So maybe it was inevitable. Perhaps. But I prefer to blame the dumb idiot. And I don't care that he died via butter knife. Well, I I actually, I have to give him credit on the special effect of the, like, they just turned, the rotated the frame. They had some, like, dripping goo. And they just rotated the frame so it looked like the goo was reaching out. crawling up. We had yeah. sentient goo that finds his well. hand. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty cool. It was good. Quick uh, for the goo. Yeah, clever goo. You go so goo. On, clever goo. So on, on the, the goo-infested planet where everyone has died. Which apparently is made of styrofoam. Yeah. I mean, I know it's supposed to be because everything's frosted over, but my one thought was just so much styrofoam. I always thought it looked like concrete to me. Like, yeah, I know it's supposed spray to be concrete. concrete it's like too, too gray to be mm. frozen. Mm. Yeah. But you were saying sorry. Yeah, so everyone froze to death except for the girl who gets who got strangled. Yes. And I I don't know if I was sold on on the wow it's like everyone just like went crazy stopped what they were supposed to be doing and froze to death. Well, I mean that was of course made abundantly clear with the maddest of the people on the planet, the guy who showered with his clothes on. <laughs> who That's does insane. that? Who does that? I mean they're just looking they're just they're just crime scening it at this point. There could have been a myriad reasons why there was a guy hiding out in the shower with his clothes on. We don't know he was, in fact, showering. We just know he was in the shower. I presume he was surrounded by, like, frozen water. Like, they don't show it, unfortunately. they don't show it at all. But I'm willing to bet he's just in there, like, you know, he's just all frozen. I realize I'm doing visual things. Sorry. But yeah, they don't show it, so we don't quite know the state. All we really see are one mannequin hunched over a table and another mannequin that's been strangled. Yeah. Because you pointed out, there's that one, and you can just tell it's not even an actress they've got there playing dead. It's a it's a dummy. Yeah, just like a Barbie doll. Yeah. Really big Barbie doll. Yeah. Of course, we've been watching all of these on Netflix, which is, they're all HD remasters. Yeah. 
So things that, that we're noticing that look pretty lame, like a mannequin or the fact that Kirk's body double looks nothing like him, you know, is the type of thing that they probably wouldn't have spent a lot, you know, wouldn't have worried too much about yeah. when they were filming because they're like, oh, well, this is going to be broadcast on really shitty quality TV. Yeah, People spending... aren't going to be watching this shit in 50 years. Nah. Nah. <laughs> so I Roddenberry had to write words to the theme. Yeah. They probably weren't entirely convinced people would be watching it that year. True. True. But yeah. So yeah, there are. It, it is interesting just noticing all the little little details that in HD stand out like a sore thumb. But pornography had that same problem. Yeah. True. Yeah, and it was much worse for much. porn. Agreed. Wasn't there also a thing how like news broadcasters like had an issue when when HD started becoming a thing because every pimple and hair follicle right. was like very visible yeah well they also they just had to completely change how they did makeup yeah because yeah no you I couldn't remember. just you can just like cake on you know, yeah, three no. inches of foundation and you know call it a day yeah, no. you actually had to like make people look human yeah crazy I, I can't do that in normal normal and, situations you know and as we all know in the words of uh the immortal words of uh, Riley, you know, women should. What, what, what did he show say? Some oh. restraint. Show, show, some, show restraint. some restraint with their makeup. Yeah, <laughs> women shouldn't look made up. Oh, Fuck Riley, you, Riley. 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 O'Reilly. Riley, you Irish bastard. Riley had some good ideas. Bombs. Riley wanted to institute mandatory ice cream. Double ice cream for everybody. See, I'm on board. Except for Uhura. Yeah, no, See, Uhura gets none. Well, that's because... She interrupted his song. Yeah, she interrupted his song. You know, I'm a... You know, and just in terms of the Riley platform, I am <laughs> pro-ice cream, <laughs> but, you know, I, I say women should be able to do themselves up however they like, yeah. honestly. Yeah, that's fair. Um, they can put their hair up and not only wear it loose. Yeah, yeah loosely not, around their shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I, I'm, I'm not a support. I'm not supporting the Riley platform, except uh, the ice cream part. But I do think he has some has some ideas. He, I think he can build on it, and and then maybe we'll get somewhere. But how do you feel about Irish drinking songs sung really badly twenty four hours a day over the loudspeaker system? How does that grab you? Um, it's the same song too, over and yeah. over. Kathleen. Yeah, uh, that I could. I, I'll take it. If it. Wow. With the ice cream. Yeah. I mean, I'll, eventually I'll you could probably. If you really, really wanted, you could probably at least detach the intercom in your quarters mm, and be point. rid of that fucking bastard. Good or if you had point. space madness, you just might not give a fuck. That's, That's true. true. I don't think Sulu cared. He was too busy trying to shape people. Shape. Stab. He was too busy trying to save people from Richelieu. Mm. Which, what was up with his accent? Was he trying to do British or French? He just kept doing things. He was drunk. Yeah, space drunk. I liked his laugh as he was mm. pursuing them down the yeah. hall. <laughs> well, that's the best part. Those two technicians, when Sulu's first there, shirtless and oiled up with his sword. And he sees them in the hall. And they both, like, like I said, they both kind of stand there. And you could say, well, maybe they're supposed to be standing there like tense. Like, what's he going to do? But the actors weren't told to do that. So they just look kind of bored. They're just there like, oh, fuck. Sulu's at it again. Well, you know, and then he actually lunges at them like, oh, Jesus Christ. On one hand, Sulu is their superior officer, perhaps. So they're like, well, should we be should we be paying attention to him right now? <laughs> I mean, he is half naked swinging his sword and looks awfully sweaty. <laughs> but then again, he is our boss, kind of. So. What's the protocol here? I didn't see you playing with your dolls, sir. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, was there anything interesting you'd come across in your oh, researches? so much. Because because uh, George Takei, when, when he was first told, by the way, we're going to have you do the scene shirtless. First off, apparently he did push-ups in all of his spare time, just in prep 
He looked pretty. He looked he great. He, he's a he's a fine actor. He takes it. He takes himself seriously. Um, but also that he would pr- uh, practice with his foil, like in the hallways between scenes, and lunge at people until the rest of the cast and crew probably had to say, "Can we never put a sword in in uh, Sulu's hand again?" Mm. And it would take until the 2009 reboot for us to get that. No, I'm, I'm, I am glad we get it back. I'm glad that we get to see that, oh, that yeah. Sulu has yeah. uh, has hobbies. Yeah, even in the reboot world. He had a, like, a stupid telescoping sword, didn't he? Yeah. In the reboot. Ah. Yeah. I believe... Well, uh, and it wasn't a foil. It was like a legit Yeah, it was like saber a saber. Or like yeah. a katana or something. It was terrible. A katana. Yeah. Well, I remember when we saw the movie, we were with uh, our old roommate. We'll cover this again in several years, so I don't feel bad about doing it now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're going down to the planet, and Kirk's like, so you have combat training? He's like, yes, sir. Fencing. And Kirk's like, oh. And then he whips out that crazy space sword, and our roommate leans over and goes, oh, he meant space fencing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just, uh, yeah, yeah, super space fencing. What else was there, though? Anything of, of note or interest? Um. Let me think. You know, if something if something comes up organically, I'll talk about it. But I can't think of anything right now. So we've got uh, Lieutenant what's his name or whoever who just winds up really sad. He's a morose drunk. Darnell. Something like that. Is that him? Darnell was last episode. Damn it. But either way, he uh, he. Oh, also, Joey wasn't his name? Yeah, Joey. Joey something. Yeah, Joey. Yeah, off I don't know himself. if he actually got his last name. We must have. I think after he was dead, like Spock said it real quick. It was something hmm. weird. But um. Joey Josephson. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, he just gets space sad and uh, offs himself with a butter knife. By mistake, yeah. though. I mean, like, he was kind of going to do it, but then Sulu, like, fell on him or something. No, no, it, even then, though, it, like, Doc was saying later after the operation that he should have survived. He, he just gave up. You can't kill yourself like that with a butter knife. Yeah, no. He, he died because he was too sad. He died Shit. the same way Padme Amidala died. Damn it, I was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, you son of a bitch. I was gonna say the way he lived. Oh. No. Oh. Stabbing Poor. himself with a butter knife? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was always accidental. He was just the clumsiest boy in Starfleet. But yeah, then he infects Sulu, he and, Sulu and Riley. And Riley. Who I thought was going to be Kyle, but no, it's not Kyle's turn yet. And then it just kind of domino effects from there to anyone it is sort of narratively convenient for it to infect. We get Painter Dude. Painter Dude. Painter Dude is my favorite drunk. He's Sinners great. repent. And love, love mankind. Mankind, right. Love mankind. It's in her. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm vaguely disappointed it wasn't just something like Captain Kirk is a jerk or something. That would have been funny. Fine poetry. And and, and yet again, we have poor Janice Rand getting harassed oh by, by a compromised crewman. Yeah. Yes. Um, like She always seems to be in the worst place at the worst time. Yeah. To her credit, doesn't wind up space mad as far as we know. Yeah, we never no, see her. No, she doesn't. But yeah. uh, that guy definitely didn't want to let her go. No. Mr. No. Spock. Yeah, and then Spock's like, well, my job here is done. Get out of her way, crewman. All right, see you later. for a second. Yeah. 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 He can't have gone that far. And with those ears, they've established Vulcans do have better hearing. Like, he he willfully was just like, you know what? I got shit to do, Janice. So thanks, Mr. Spock. Well done. Speaking of things that uh, are established about Vulcans, I noticed that this episode establishes a lot of like the little things that we know about Vulcans. Uh, I don't know if they're explicitly mentioned until this episode, such as the 
the lack of emotion. Like I know. I that think that's, we're hinted at it. I think they were times. hinted at, but it's de- like that's they a made huge it, part of this yeah. episode. Yeah, they made it really explicit here. You know, and and Spock's struggling with that. Yeah, Spock's um, emotional torment is is very very nice. Yeah. yeah. They also, I think this is the first time, the first outing for the Vulcan neck pinch. Yeah. yeah. You, who does he, he use it on Riley? I think. Uh, he uses it on uh, Sulu, doesn't he? Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah, he does use it on Sulu. Sulu. Lucky his little pincer fingers didn't just slip right off. Yeah, and he might oil. use it on Riley too, <laughs> yeah. as well. But it's funny because it's 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 you know because again this isn't per- this is like broadcast order not production order, and so I think by then they must have already used it because you almost miss it. You know, yeah. they don't really make a thing of it. It's a little more obvious in the next one when yeah. he uses it on Doppelkirk. Mm. I mean, Kirk does mention like you got to show me that sometime. Yeah, but I, it's I, like even looking at it, I was like, wait, did, did he just neck pit? Oh, yes, he did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't, you know, I, it, if it's your first time seeing it and they haven't really established the neck pinch in a big way, it's like, wait, teach him what? How to what? Yeah. Regarding the neck pinch, apparently, um, and I think it may have been in the Enemy Within that was first decided that it would be a neck pinch and not just wanging the guy over the head with something. Yeah. But apparently Nimoy specifically came up with the neck pinch because he didn't want to just punch a guy out and said, yeah. can't we do something else that isn't so, so I don't Illogical. know, violent or something. Of course, he then punches Kirk across a table in the same episode. <laughs> Kirk was asked, well, that was when no, he was no, space mad, though. Yeah, true. yeah, the space man, he smacks him across the table. And let's be honest, Kirk earned it. Yeah, I was gonna say Kirk had hit him a half dozen times by the time yeah. Spock actually. Yeah, she's your sister retired. and your daughter. Um, never mind. What? It's a long story. Uh, not really. It's a reference to a movie. Uh, anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean Nimoy. Jake looks fine. uncomfortable now. <laughs> Don't punch me across the table, Chris. I I never would. <laughs> Pretty sure you could take me. Um, but yeah, no, I think Nimoy basically came up with kind of a lot of Vulcan stuff. I'm under the impression sort of Vulcans as we know them are as much his doing as the writers. You know, he came up with a hand salute. He came up with a neck pinch. Mm. The hand salute, actually, I don't know. There was an anecdote when I saw when I saw Nimoy speak at a convention. Wait, an anecdote you say? Yeah. Anecdote corner. There we go. Yeah, um, real. When I heard uh, Nimoy speak at a convention in... Valley Forge, PA. One of the anecdotes he related was how he came up with the the the, the Vulcan live long and prosper hand salute. Evidently, the story the story as Nimoy told it was that when he was a kid at Temple, he would there was a portion of the proceedings where like he wasn't you weren't supposed to look. I think it was specifically during a funeral. Maybe because he told the same thing in a documentary I saw. And he you know snuck a peek and he saw the rabbis all giving that hand signal and he just thought it was really cool. So when when he had the opportunity to come up with something cool for the for his character to do, he's like, oh, do the do the weird crazy Jewish thing I do saw. Do the when I was a secret kid. hand signal the... no one was supposed to see. Yeah, some rabbi was super pissed yeah. off when he saw that episode. I also think in the, I could be remembering this wrong, but I think they did with both hands over the body, too. So mm. like exactly. What does it mean? Couldn't tell you. It's, uh, it's live, some sort of secret. Live long and prosper? Well, okay. if they're doing it over a dead body, it's a little late. But Well, fine. <laughs> Die short and don't <laughs> prosper? That's this. No. Wow, that was really fast that you were able to do that. I couldn't. I was kind of getting ready to do it, I'm not going to lie. For the listeners at home, I did the reverse of the Vulcan hand salute with my thumb and... Index finger and middle and ring fingers together. I cannot do that. Well, it looks like some kind of yeah. I can. I can. But I always assume that's like that's the Vulcan middle finger. 
I also can only do the Vulcan thing with one hand. The mm. other hand just doesn't cooperate. Yeah. My left seems better at it than my right. No, my right is better. I don't know. They both they both suck. It's hard to do. <laughs> I can do it with both. I would have made a good funerary rabbi. Yeah, you could give that when you're Nixoning one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Missed your calling. Yeah. Back on course. So... I kept it. So we got to see a lot of great Nemo, and we got to see his yep. his emotional struggle, which was yep. which was pretty fascinating. I think that was also something that he specifically asked to be included in the in the episode, because they were originally going to have him do something campy. Oh God! Well, I I think they were also originally they wanted. And I don't know how true this is, but I remember reading or hearing somewhere that you know they originally did want Sulu to have like a katana or something more like Asian, oh, yeah, and he was Japanese-y. like, yeah. could we not? <laughs> so. You can I, either have it. this swashbuckling like samurai sword, or you can have a traditional foil. I'll take the foil. Yeah, I wonder if because they actually um, they avoided having you know when when Spock was explaining how people were you know reverting to their drunk selves and, and yeah. going back into their past or whatnot. They specifically avoided having you know Spock say something like, "Oh yes," and and Sulu is a you know the ancient Japanese samurai or some nonsense like that. He yeah, said yeah. swashbuckler out of the swashbuckler, yeah. right, yeah. which is you know a Western thing. So I, mm-hmm. I think they avoided some some potential Orientalism. Yet they went one. straight for the Irish brogue. They did. They did. Yeah, but you know, it, even then, it was acceptable to shit on the Irish. I guess. Well, by, look, by then you'd had Kennedy. Irish racism was over. Oh yeah, there you go. Exactly. Hmm. But yeah, I can't remember, during that whole really actually very well done and rather sad scene between Chapel and Spock, did she talk about the fact that he was part human there? Yes, she did. Okay. Yeah, I think that's again another thing, another first mention uh, is Spock's dual lineage. It's maybe come up Possibly, but this is where it's the first time I think it's that explicit because I can't remember. I feel like there may have been vague mentionings and maybe even the second pilot or something, but I genuinely don't remember. It's well, certainly the first time I it was noticeable. And then mentioning like specifically the struggles of his because I don't know if they'd established yet which parent was which, but he yeah. very solidly establishes like you know my mother was like this lone human on this planet and nobody understood love and uh, I never told her I loved her. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, weren't we just we were just talking last episode about the Spock Chapel thing. I forgot it was going to come up this quickly. Yeah. Because I feel like she doesn't quite give up on him at first, too. I feel like it, there's at least one episode later or two. When, she's, when she's not even a fake drunk? Yeah, where she's sort of... I feel like, oh, maybe it's during, actually, the Pond Far one. I feel like she, she brings him lunch or something and he flips out. I don't remember. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, there's definitely... You know, I, I thought it was interesting the way that they sort of brought out each character's insecurities and deeply seated things, you know, between yeah. Spock and his emotional state and Kirk and his emotional state. You know, evidently, Sulu's deepest, darkest desire is to be a swashbuckler. That week. You know, like, if this had happened a week before, he may have just been really botanying <laughs> something fierce. And I, I do appreciate the little bit of continuity that Riley mentions. Last week, I'm supposed to gather leaves and twigs and fuck all. And this week, he's all about the three musketeers or something like that. <laughs> so I appreciate that little nod. And it was just, it was cute. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't Spock refer to Sulu as, like, D'Artagnan at one point or he something? He did! A, a bit of a quippy good. sarcasm. I, that is not very Vulcan. That's, and that's before he got space mad, so that was just, that was just a slip. 
just they want that was just human side, you know. Yeah, every, no. Every now and again, Spock will will uh, slip out a little a little quip. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's that's what I noticed with these early episodes. They were letting that come to the surface more often. Mm. I feel like he becomes sort of more repressed later. Yeah. Um, Actually, it would be interesting to view the later episodes in light light of this, because, you know, saying at some point, I can't remember if we said this on the air, but, you know, we're sort of still in the pre-Kirk banging everyone he sees days. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, the restraint, he he, con- he controls himself very well around Rand, because everyone's always going for Rand. Yeah, and they make it pretty clear that there's part of him that, you know, is... is down with the idea, but, you know, Captain... Well, we see that part. Well, yes, that's, that's coming up. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to think that maybe this sort of... You know, for all that it was mostly cured, there may be some sort of lingering effect, psychologically, if not physically. Yeah. You know, Spock really reining stuff in, Kirk letting himself go a little... Ahead. Well, ways in one, ha-cha-cha-cha. No. No, that was mean. I would love to have seen Doc's space madness, because he's the one person... Yeah, like, Chapel's around the page enough that she gets it, but somehow Doc just remains level the whole mm-hmm. time. He never... I like to pretend that it's because he's always taking the brandy, so he's <laughs> always in a state of somewhat yeah. intoxication, so that even when he's affected by the space madness... No difference. It's no different. He's just... It's just yeah. I think that there's no there's no hidden layer to him. He's just always irascible. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly... He was space mad before anyone... Exactly. You know, he's been space mad for weeks now. It's just like, <laughs> this is just me. <laughs> this is also the first episode, I think, where Scotty gets, you know, sort of front and center, gets a big a big part in the yeah. episode. Yeah, he has to phaser open that uh, circuit panel. Yeah. yeah. And defy the laws of physics. Yeah. And, you know, and it really starts to establish... I cannot do it in 14 minutes, Captain. I have to... I cannot change the laws of physics. Poor Scott. Long-suffering Scotty. But again, you know, that's... That's sort of some core Scotty character stuff that's established here, you know? The, yeah. You know, the, the miracle worker. Yeah, and it's kind of his Scott. first major appearance, and they... Because, they, I mean, he's been floating around in the background yeah. a little bit. But yeah, this he is was like first... a transporter operator before. Yeah, and, and then they were kind of like, yeah, no way. And they really, they landed on that pretty quickly. Yeah. Then they had to do the cold intermix or whatever it was there. Yeah, which inexplicably also caused a time warp. Yeah, which why? well, I f- I feel like that had to have been set up for tomorrow was yesterday. So here's what I found. I'm sorry to cut you off, uh, Jake. You better be. I better. I I, I certainly am. <laughs> um, but this was supposed to be a two-parter episode. Oh. And it would have been the first two-parter episode, but they cut it short, and they just found like the the natural stopping point to make it its own self-contained episode. And the other half of it would have been tomorrow was yesterday. That's right, because so the. We haven't gotten there yet, but tomorrow's yesterday opens cold with them already in the past, if I recall. Is this the one with Gary Seven? No. Tomorrow's yesterday is the one where they actually go to Earth in the sixties and uh, abduct a fighter pilot. Oh that I don't think one. I've seen this one. Yeah, it's where they established time warp as a thing. Uh, so which, this would have led into Oh that I see. Right. When I saw it, I when I, when they started doing the time warp, then I was like, oh, I didn't. I was like, "Oh shit! This must be the intro to Tomorrow's Yesterday." But I'm like, "Wait, Tomorrow's Yesterday isn't the next episode." And then they subverted. They, you know. Yeah, they said, "Oh well, we'll certainly learn more about this eventually." Yeah. Wink, wink. 
Yeah, it did. It made the time warp feel really out of place. Yeah, it, it feels tacked on and weird. Like, what's this doing here? But that explains it. Yeah. It, it was so supposed to end on a cliffhanger before yeah. with the going back in time, mm. and then it was also said like segue naturally. And I don't know why they why they split them up as as they did. Mm. I wonder if it was just because they you know again they weren't sure that people were necessarily tuning in week to week. Yeah, yeah. it might have been too early to yeah. ensure that. Someone would watch this week, next week. Although, although not although long we, yeah, after we have, this, we get the Menagerie. We get Menagerie pretty soon. Which That's is a true. two-parter and a clip show. Not that anyone watching knew it was a clip show. True. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Maybe they didn't want to have two two-parters in a single season, and they knew that Menagerie would have to be two parts. I don't, I don't know. know if they knew what Menagerie was going to be yet. Mm, yeah. From what, from everything I know, and this will will revisit when we see um, the two-parter Menagerie. But from what I know, Menagerie was was more cobbled together because they need something needed something to fill that slot. <laughs> Classic. I'm sure we'll never know what that's like. I'm sure, we'll never need a random clip show. There's every time we had to go to Anecdote Corner on a, st- a Star to Steer by. <laughs> anecdote Corner, super, what do they call that? Smash, cut, super cut? <laughs> super cut. Oh, yeah. Anecdote Corner, super cut. Or I could just, like, string together all the crap I've cut out of the raws and, you know, blooper reel. Mmm. We can get all of the all of the songs we've attempted to sing. <laughs> oh God, no! Yeah, Chris has no. some serious. Black no, they mail. would they would kill me. I'm pointing at Jake and Caitlin, everyone. <laughs> you know, you would be. I would actually smother you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like your two efforts on that alone were probably better than the final result. So the worst is already out there. I don't know about that. <laughs> so we have so we have the planet Psi uh, Two Thousand. Yep. Uh, where the people have died, and the planet itself is disintegrating. Yes, like Krypton. Is this is this something that planets do? I think the idea. I don't know that planets are known to do this, but I think the idea was that there was something unstable in the core of the planet. Yeah, yeah. maybe the planet had space madness. It's possible. Like, what does it even mean to be a planet man? Ah! I mean, I'm just hanging out here in space. Now, a little, now I don't know what was going on on this planet. Now they said they did mention. That the star died out. And they so it's a very planet. old planet. Yeah, and it was an Earth-like planet. Now, there is precedence for a planet collapsing uh, after being mined, which, of course, is the Klingon moon Praxis. Right. Oh. Uh, which is over-mined until it explodes, also causing distress to Sulu. His coffee falls on the ground. And that was a nice cup. It was a beautiful cup. So I guess, I don't know, maybe it's something like that. Maybe it was over-mined and became unstable. I don't know. They don't quite say what the what that team of uh, six people who died what they were actually doing, did they? I think the idea was probably that they were just they were studying the planet up close as long as realistically possible before they were supposed to get dragged off so they could watch from a safe distance as the planet exploded. Oh, this wasn't the safest distance at all. No, no. This was a terrible idea. We're gonna. What was the word they used? I wrote it down. They wrote critically tight orbit. <laughs> to watch the planet disintegrate. And, and of course, yeah, that's entirely safe. Let's do that. Mm. Uh, that yeah, that doesn't seem worth the risk, you know? Eh. What are we going to learn watching a, a planet explode that we can't learn a little bit further away? Mm. Mm. Well, this is another, another first for Star Trek, which just establishes precedent for later, is, you know, the Enterprise going on to strictly scientific missions, you know, yeah. like to observe mm-hmm. a planet or, you know, and that that's obviously pulled out a lot in TNG. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Where they're just going out to, like, observe something. And, of course, it always goes horribly wrong. Yeah. yeah. And that we see actually... a little of that in The Enemy Within when they're there to collect specimens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just get some rocks. It was supposed to be a simple one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They find one dog. 
Yeah. Little triceratops dog. Unicorn dog. Dogacorn? Yeah. Dogacorn. But also kind of a lion? We'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, the um the planet collapsing though. You know, I think you know Spock mentions sort of an offhand remark to explain why it's so inter- why it is interesting for them is because it what it is an Earth-like planet. So you know, perhaps <laughs> this is how your planet's gonna go someday, Jim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Slaps him on the shoulder. Not mine. Mine is never gonna be imploded by some kind of insane Romulan in another timeline. <laughs> oh, oops. Womp womp. It's interesting when you think about you know when you consider the continuity that the same Spock mm-hmm. that said that. Also, personally witnesses his own homeworld having the same bullshit. That's true, he does. It's deep, man. It is. Uh, I don't know. I'm fairly certain the Earth isn't going to go until the sun envelops everything. Yeah, in reality, I think they're pretty sure that our sun is the type that it'll go red giant first, and we'll just be enveloped in the corona or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so Sounds great. Hopefully idea. it's long after we've died. Yeah, so chances are if any planet's going to maybe survive and then fall to pieces, it'll maybe be Mars. Yeah. I mean, the time scale for that is literally billions of yeah. years. Yeah, no, we've, so got, we've got a while. Fine. Yeah. We good. personally, sitting around this table, are fine. Yeah, we will be killed by climate change or the people listening, first. The people listening to recordings of this several billion years in the future, <laughs> you guys are fucked. I really hope we are not your only source for Star Trek, by the way, because we aren't doing, like, episode summaries or anything. We're so, so, so sorry. We are just jumping around all over the place. Uh, anything else about the crazy Space Madness episode? Yep. I mean, Space Madness also seemed to be paired with memory loss, as when Sulu back, wakes back up from, from his swashbuckling adventure. Mm. He says, why am I no longer on the bridge? What happened? Why am I here? Where's my shirt? Everybody's had that sort of, I drank way too much and what did I do last night and where are my pants? Yeah, I think yeah. it depends on how long you had it, because Kirk certainly remembers everything. Mm. I think Spock does well, too. Well, Kirk also started, started uh, Kirk and Spock both started showing the effects immediately yeah, on contact with the sweat. Yeah, it's like it, it was it's, getting it's stronger like, as it went along. It's like they had it injected because they said once it reaches what your cardiovascular system or something, you start yeah. showing it, which somehow you can do through sweat now. But that's beside the well, point. Well, you know, I was trying to parse what what McCoy was saying. You know, about it. he he said that the it rearranges water molecules into something like alcohol. Well, yeah, yeah, something that your body reacts to like alcohol, and then it can be sweated out. Right. So that's why it's that's why it's transferred through perspiration because once you have it, your sweat would have that fucked up water and then somebody else would absorb that i like to i don't know if any of you have read um cat's cradle by kurt vonnegut it's, it's a mm. very good book um in that book one of the plot points or the plot point really is about this stuff called ice nine where a oh yes i did read this one the scientist guy develops water that the molecules have been rearranged to freeze at a much higher temperature and the result is anytime regular water comes into contact with ice nine it also rearranges itself to match what ice nine is like oh, shit. and of course what that means is that eventually the all the water on the planet has been rearranged to have a freezing temperature that is you know well above room temperature so like everything's frozen all the time and if you touch ice nine you as well the water the water oh, in yeah, your body your water, yeah. freezes yeah, so. you go instant frozen fish that way though 
That's doesn't true. seem worth it. Yeah, not quite worth <laughs> it. Just thinking, if only we could really make that work without destroying everything, that would be a good way to stop the ice caps melting. There you go. But I mean, they would still. I mean, it would prevent sea water, sea levels from rising. I guess, but it would certainly. Uh, I mean, the the ice is still warm. You know, it's still warm ice. Warm ice. That's a really weird thing to think about. Yeah, it's yeah. a good. It's a really good book. Vonnegut thought of a lot of these weird things. I have never read anything by Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, I think oh. you'd enjoy. I think I would too. I just I don't know why. Yeah, I read. Uh, start with uh, Slaughterhouse Five. Five. Yeah, it's a one. It's a classic. Yeah. There's a there's a play adaptation too. Not as good though. Yeah, it's all right. The movie's also not as good, but I enjoy the movie. The movie's they decent. Never are. It's decent movie. Not as good as book. There are exceptions, but we'll save that for a uh, ten forward maybe. Mm. I will say I was just, I, I I will admit I remembered this episode wrong. I remember there being a lot more space madness. Really? Like it's actually fairly like they imply that it's kind of spreading rapidly through a lot of the crew, but you don't actually see a lot of it. Like I said, I've forgotten just how late in the game Kirk actually gets infected and things like that. Mm. Dog never goes space crazy no, that we know. Scotty's alright. Scotty's Scotty's right. fine. Yeah, Horace. Like the one th- the one time maybe she's spaceman. It's like no, she's just literally pissed off because she is going to kill uh, Riley there next time she sees him. She doesn't care if it had to do with the space disease. She's so mad. Hmm. Which. Fair. Well, Sulu did try to protect her as a fair maiden, <laughs> yeah. of which she says she is neither. Sorry, neither. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was a great response. Yeah, she improvised, really improvised that. That was yeah. That's, really? Yeah, she made up that line. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Then there's my piece of Star Trek trivia for you. Thank you, Kate. Trivia corner. Oh, thank you, Jake, and thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Uh, I also think, and this is. Not related at all, but I just have a note that I wanted to bring it up. Is I think this is the first we see the food synthesizer. I is it not? Think so. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the tray that comes out. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it comes with a puff of smoke in this one, but which is funny because in Charlie X, they talk about there being synthetic meatloaf or something, so yeah. it was implied they had Make some it sort look of like chicken. No, a horrible space rations that they just made into food, but yeah, now well, we've got something that seems a little fancier. Well, my, my impression would be that the food synthesizer is, there's a man, there's like, it's like a cafeteria, mm. so there's like a man that places the tray in there. <laughs> um, it's like some kind of hyper-futuristic dumbwaiter. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, That's it's the clearly poof, not... is the magic of the dumbwaiter. Yeah, there was that little smoke poof. It's clearly not a replicator. No. But it's also, I mean, it, there's got to be something in between. Like, maybe they synthesize the raw materials, but then somebody still has to has cook it. Has to cook it. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, see, this is one of the very big things. I forget where I first heard this. This was a while ago that I heard the, the two things that we, and as modern human beings today, uh, are lacking that would allow for, you know, long distance or long time space travel are unlimited amounts of food because if you want to go on any space mission food takes up a lot of room and you can't go for like long periods of time because you'll run out you'll keep adding room that you need to store the food and every time you add more room and more food you have to add that much more fuel to make sure that you can go so to have something like a food synthesizer or a food replicator is the thing that allows them to exist in space, and also a warp drive that allows you to go places in the first place, which very, we very, very much don't have. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it literally takes hundreds of years, probably, to get places. Well, they're also leaving out inertial dampeners there. Cause... Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, there's some interesting um, for you know for human spaceflight. Obviously, there's uh, interstellar human spaceflight. There's obviously tons of barriers. You know, food storage, oxygen storage. Mm. Uh, 
you know, like you say, top speed. Um, but there's some interesting, you know, micro ships that I've been hearing about that are they're not actually they don't actually exist, but they've been theorized, sort of theorized, and and potentially something that could be built. And the idea would essentially be you have really small gesturing like something about a centimeter that like a grain of rice well probably larger than that but in possibly even larger than a centimeter i'm just pulling that out of my ass it could be the size of a baseball for all i know but the idea is that you know once in space you can just blast that thing with laser beams and just the the energy of the laser beams will will accelerate them in, in space where there's you know there's no air resistance there's you know nothing you know they once you can just keep building up you know, even if it's, even if the laser is only putting a little bit of force onto the onto the object, you know, blasting it enough times, there's nothing really slowing it down. It'll just accelerate to 10% the speed of light. I mean, you're never going to get FTL, but you could get way faster. So what they're talking about is you know sending these basically tiny probes, where they can go way faster than any you know big ship that we could create, and uh, sending those out. So. Hmm. And really hoping they smack some alien in the head and rather than get pissed off, they think, oh, look at that. Yeah. Let's go visit the people that sent this. I think the big, I think one of the big challenges to anything like that is that even something that small, traveling that fast, any like piece of space dust or anything, yeah. it would just like Swiss cheese it to death. Yeah. So until they come up with you know, deflector dishes or something for them, they'll yeah. be in trouble. Lots of barriers Lots to of barriers. interstellar tra- human travel. We could do what what movie is it? Sunshine, where they literally have a whole area that where they're just growing their own food and also providing the oxygen. Mm. Yeah, I mean you could probably do something with algae. You know, like you could because you can eat algae compressed. It would taste good. Be like soilant. No, but, haven't they made bacon flavored algae? I feel like I heard about bacon flavored algae. Well, they make bacon flavored everything. Fucking... Yeah, I'm sure they. I'm sure you could make tasty algae, but I think that you know the thing is algae is a very dense oxygen producer too. Like it, you can make more because it also purifies water. I think I don't know, but um, man, algae is just the little plant that could. Yeah, algae. Algae would be a good thing for for space travel. I think because it could make oxygen, it could clean water, and it could. Um, Tastes like bacon and beef. Tastes like bacon. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody Purified that actually. I'm sure somebody water. that actually knows about this stuff is listening and screaming right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we laugh at your pain, listener. Um, so they can write. They can write how wrong I am and how I know nothing about space travel on um, on our Facebook page, which you should like. Mm. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. <laughs> SEO. I love it. <laughs> Yikes. So I think, considering we just spent a bit of time talking about theoretical, actual deep space travel, we're done with space madness? Yeah, maybe we should move, move on. on to uh, crazy, evil rape Kirk. Doppel Kirk. Jesus Christ. <laughs> which, is, which is just another, I mean, if, if, in, if in the naked time we effectively had uh, someone's hidden personality traits come to the surface, mm. then we get in the enemy, enemy within, just splitting up those personali- personality traits between two two bodies. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say right now, because I thought it during the episode, and I don't want to forget, I find it ironic, in light of Star Trek V, Doc going on to Kirk about how he needs his darker half, because later it's Kirk going on about how he needs his pain, but everyone else on the crew seems to have forgotten that, even Doc. It's like, come on, man, remember your own lessons in this shitty, shitty movie. Is this really what you're choosing to nitpick about Star Trek V? (laughs) <laughs> this this is the hill you die on with Star Trek V? Like, I mean, continuity. I'm just saying. I talked about moons last time. 
I just... Clearly the worst thing about Star Trek V is the automated marshmallow dispenser. Uh, Yeah, hello, obviously. God. Anyway. Anyway. We'll get to Star Trek V. Uh, Do we have to? Do you two want to have a a wee pet corner? I don't know what the theme is for that. There's no... There's no theme for Pet Corner. Oh, we do we do love the the unicorn dog though. Yeah, he's cute. I mean, it felt really bad for him actually. Yeah. Like I was saying, he seemed to be bundled under a bunch of like fake fur, and I feel like in the studio lights, he's probably very overheated. Poor little munch. Anyway, that's all I have to say about him. Yeah, I mean, what I would have to say is if they're going to this this very very cold planet to find you know uh, specimens to bring back. I don't know what else they brought back because all we saw was this dog. Yeah, I think do, mostly do, the do dog they do and a rocks. lousy job? <laughs> well, I mean, they were wrapping up on the were surface. They? Okay. Yeah. And of course, crewman Klutzy there fucked everything up by falling into the radioactive oh. magnetic yellow dust. Oh, geologist Fisher. <sighs> With your overlong title. Yeah, yeah my, fa- my favorite part is when, what was his, I don't even remember what his title was, but he had the Geological t- Technician Fisher. Yeah, something like that, yeah, so he's like, Geological Technician Fisher, he's, he's like, Rand is in the process of getting assaulted by, by Kirk's evil side, and this guy, trying to call for help, has to state his full title <laughs> into the thing, which gives Kirk, like, he couldn't just be like, help, rape, shit, like, he, he had to like, Say his full title, explain what was happening, and where he was. And Doppelkirk time to sneak up on right, him. Right, and beat the shit out of him. It's like, it's like, come on, man. Just say, like, say what you mean. I kind of wish his title had been even longer. Yeah. Like, this is this is first geological technician Fisher ninth class trainee division something. I was walking down the hallway and I happened to spy as I was passing through sector 4 to... Oh, God, no! (laughs) (laughs) Something strange happening over in section whatever you just said. He's from that planet of overly detailed people. (laughs) Um, Is that a real planet? Yeah, it is now. We have a lot of stuff in this episode. Name one. Well, we have uh, the poor puppy uh, unicorn puppy that gets divided. We have Poor, you know, wussy Kirk, a.k.a. Kirk's good side, mm. and jackass monster Kirk, a.k.a. Kirk's bad side. Yeah, can I say that I find it amusing that it's um, Scott that is the first one that says, oh, it's like they're, they're, they're split, good and evil. It's like, thank you, engineering. Can we talk to, say, the psychology department or anything and to get their take on this? Look, all I know is, this Doug is sitting in my arms, and he's pretty calm. The one in the box is all pissed off, so I put two and two together. Here we are. It just... It just doesn't seem like the logical explanation, does it? You I know, mean, he like, was right! I mean, I know, but again, it's it's like when, when Spock leapt to, what if this race of, you know, floating energy balls is Aphasians. real? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like... What what if something happened in the transporter that split them into two halves of the same being? Yeah, okay, Scott, that sounds really fucking likely. I also feel like that scene was originally supposed to come later. I think it was actually supposed to come... It was originally supposed to come earlier, and they realized... Really? No, this doesn't work, because then they would know that Kirk could have been split in two. Mm. And I think they Funny. moved it to later so that it wouldn't be foreshadowing. Because hmm. it, it feels like that you know the scenes that come after it you know, when they're first discussing the sort of Doppelkirk, they don't 
immediately jump to the seemingly logical conclusion based on the dog, oh shit, you've got a doppel you running around. They're like, this seems weird. Mm. Maybe because they were, again, doubting Scotty, the stupid fools. I mean, the whole thing is, you know, really simplified down this whole, oh, well, you know, your, your evil half is also the half that just happens to allow you to be a good captain. And make decisions, And make apparently. decisions. It's but like, the good half gives you courage. Yeah, it's, it's you know... It's, it's like they realized they were overselling people's negative qualities and like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay, what does goodness do for you? Aside from, you know, keep you from being a fucking monster. Courage? Shrug? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and what, you know, and let's, like, what are the, the things that we are shown to be the qualities of evil Kirk? They are... Need to dr- drink. Drunkenness. <laughs> lust. Mm-hmm. Like, uncontrollable lust. Yeah. Violence. Uh, violence. Violence. And then we have good Kirk, and his qualities are... Can't make decisions. <laughs> yeah, can't make decisions. Can't... Has no short-term memory, apparently. No. Yeah. Yeah, gets easily distracted. Yeah, very easily distracted. Definitely can't be the captain of a ship. So, so these are good and evil? These, so really these the like only odd, thing is like... Choices. So it sounds oh, to me... Oh, and courage. Based yeah. on Spock's explanation of this whole thing, it's his good side... It's his, his evil side is what makes him capable of doing anything, but his good side keeps the evil in check. Yeah, so he only uses his evil for good. Something yeah. like that. I mean, the, the script for this episode, I think the, the writer specifically modeled it on a Jekyll and Hyde-like mm. like, oh, disparity. Obviously. But, yeah, yeah. It's, but, it's, it's, <laughs> but the thing is, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, like, if you don't have Hyde, Jekyll is still... A functional mostly, person. Yeah, mostly yeah. the same guy. It's not that we've stripped all the evil out of Jekyll. It's yeah. that Jekyll is still pretty much himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say that despite... This this episode being a classic and having you know a lot of things that people are endeared to. It's just a dumb episode. It's just a dumb story. A lot of the conceit doesn't work. I think yeah, it gets what it gets because you've got some amazing Shatner acting. You know, you've yeah. got the Shatner the, on Shatner acting. The, yes, the infamous you know Shatner I'm in Shatner. My favorite type of acting. Yeah, you've got that wonderful over-the-top moment that yeah. he might not match again until Khan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that's a bigger yell than Khan. People, yeah. people oversell the Khan yell. They do. It's not actually that loud. It's no. pretty brief. Yeah. yeah. So when you've got that, but then you do have him actually, I forget who said it, but he actually does then do some genuinely pretty good acting later when Wimpy Kirk is... I forget how. Oh, I was saying he yeah. looked like, like looked like he was doing a really good job of like looking indecisive and like being really I don't know my ass from my elbow. What's next? Yeah, and sort of getting across he's a little lost and, and horrified existentially, if nothing else, by the situation. Like he, he actually did some proper good work there. And uh, whoever did his eyeliner should be commended <laughs> because Evil Kirk's eyeliner was fucking on fleek. That was a great part too. They wasted no time in making plain what had happened. You're like, oh, there's a second Kirk. What's going? Oh, evil turnaround. What did you put the? Uh, how did you put it? The pudgy underlit. Yeah, Captain yeah, Kirk. Paunchy underlit Pon- Kirk. Yeah, with the eyeliner. Yeah, like there's like, you know, you knew right away, oh, he's evil. He is, he is super evil. What word did you just use to describe the eyeliner? On fleek. On fleek. I don't know. You have to tell me what that word is. You've never heard on fleek? 
Is this something has I should know? Has he been living under a rock? He has. Is um, it like on point? Yes. Yeah, it's exactly okay. like It's what the kids point. say to me on point now. No, well, I don't know. They don't the say it anymore. The current style. Well, yeah, because adults, I don't think cause adults say heard about it, so now it's yeah. no longer. Okay. Cool. No, I don't, I, I it's didn't. gotten to us, so I'm, it's no longer. Well, it's now on a Star Trek podcast. It hasn't gotten to me until today. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah, I'm, no, it's, uh, I'm well, excited. Well, it's well out of date, so don't bother remembering it. Damn it. Okay, I just wasn't... It sounded like, based on context... I guessed what it meant, but I just never heard it before. No, it's okay. You depended on me the first to. time I heard it. I couldn't even use context clues. I was too baffled. <laughs> <laughs> context corner. <laughs> How many corners does this podcast have? I think we already made that joke in an earlier one. I mean, this Fuck. room has a number of extra corners. I mean, we get this. That's, That's true. true. Yeah, no, I think it's less for sort of the core story making sense and more the character moments you get. The eyeliner? That too. And the, <laughs> and the ever-present hope that the way that they will set things to rights is by Kirk touching dicks with Kirk. That's, oh. That was just you, I think. I don't yeah. think so. I doubt that. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure I overheard Spock suggest that to McCoy as a possible solution. Was this, was what this the they, line, get, him, get to take him back inside myself? Oh, That's Kirk true. said that. Yeah. Kirk said, "I gotta yeah. take him back inside myself." Yeah, yeah. This is this. You know, people think that that Kirk Spock is the origin of slash fiction. I'm gonna argue that Kirk Kirk is mm. the uh, origin of slash fiction. I'm perhaps. into it. I would agree. I'm into yeah. it. I would like that. They should both wear the guy liner in that case. <laughs> I mean, as, as we discover in this episode, Kirk apparently keeps foundation in his quarters. Yeah. How, are you sure that was his quarters? I, I'm not sure whose they were supposed to be, honestly, but because they don't give you any context, it feels like he just went to his own quarters and... He changes his shirt there, right? Does he, he, he does keep... change his shirt at some point, but it's... No, he changes the shirt after beating up Wimpy Kirk in uh, the... In sick bay. So they look more alike. Right, 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 right. So in reality, it's probably not supposed to be his quarters, but because they don't really tell you what's going on, you can easily go, why, what? I thought it was weird that they were trying to be, like, ultra-secretive about what was going on in terms of the crew. Yeah. Because once the two of them were in a room together and it was time to figure out who was who, it was fucking blatantly obvious. Like, if you had said, there's good Kirk, who looks kind of like a lost puppy, and there's bad Kirk, who's really fucking aggressive, so if you see that one, that's probably bad Kirk... When they were finally together, he was like, I'm the captain of the ship! (laughs) And it was like, I wonder which one of these is Bad Kirk. Like, Bad Kirk literally couldn't control himself for 30 seconds. Like, even, even like, (laughs) when he's on his way to the bridge, he creeps on Rand again. Again. He's like, I'm... I'm sorry that other guy tried to rape you earlier. Mind if I stop by? He's like, what? What? Later tonight? Yeah. And she's like, okay. You can tell she's already creeped out again. Yeah, no, this poor woman. She's like, like, sure, Captain. Oh, and can we talk about that for a second, actually? So poor Yeoman Rand. Yeah. She's admitting what happened. She's telling him, and she's like, and I couldn't, like, throw him out because he was the captain, and I was just like, oh, Yeah, no, it's fucking horrifying because it is creepily accurate. It's so fucked up. but we also get at the very, very end when, when Spock is just mansplaining to her, being like, oh, well, isn't that interesting that he had two facets to his personality? And she gives him this look like, he nearly assaulted me. No, he did assault yeah, me. Yeah, he did yeah. assault me. Yeah. I mean, there, there, yeah. was, there was forcible kissing. There was, you know, yeah, he was I mean, on he was top of her, her on the yeah, floor. It's a like, really... Really, it's pretty uncomfortable as fuck. I didn't remember TV. it being that I'm much. amazed. Again, that's another one. It's like, wow, you... Guys got away with that in the sixties. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, they they yeah. would get. I mean, they'd still get away with it today. No, I know, but I'm amazed that the sixties let them. Yeah. Another thing that I found a little horrifying is, you know, obviously there's that scene in sick bay after after the assault, 
and they've determined that oh there must be an imposter on board and then they send rand away like okay yeah. all right see you later honey we'll uh, we'll talk to you later you'll Bye. be fine Don't just call us. We'll look out for the captain he might try to rape you again <laughs> like what the fuck guys like no like help her out man don't yeah. just send her lock away. her home she's at least dropped, she's yeah. crying. send someone home with her yeah, yeah lock her door Jeez. Yeah, that's like, that was rough. I mean, uh, yeah, the, was... the 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 crisis response team on the Enterprise probably sucks. Lacking. Yeah, yeah. No Chapel this week. Probably yeah. probably would have been better if Chapel was there. I think she probably would have brought some more compassion to that maybe situation. Hmm. Maybe I mean maybe Doc being so busy you know dealing with Scooter or whatever he ended up he, calling him. Yeah, he well yeah Doc was just upset that that somebody drank all his. Yeah, he was, he was going through the DTs. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing nobody needed surgery that day. I mean, with futuristic instruments the way they are, you don't need a steady hand. You just need to be able to point in roughly the right direction. The computers do the rest. Mm. Huh. Stabilization systems, it's it's astounding. Yeah. <laughs> so how about the um, the side point of this whole thing, which is like we're racing against the clock because oh, yeah. Sulu, Sulu and, and some other people are like slowly freezing but to Sulu death. But Sulu remains, you know, like he retains his level of sass the entire time. He really does. freezing to death. Until the bitter end, you know, like in that very last bit, I think he, he finally lets his veneer crack a little. But overall, he's quipping, he's having a good, he gets it, he gets it, he gets that he's the highest ranking person on this planet right now. Shit's going to fuck. He has to keep up a front. And more credit to him for it. I'm sure he was a fine captain when his time came. He was pretty clever, too, because they were, like, huddling together for warmth Shooting underneath those parachute things. Yeah, he shot the rocks with the phasers to keep warm. And honestly, the, like, joking stuff was probably yeah. a way to keep the morale up amongst the yeah, no, that's what I mean. obviously he... freezing to death on this planet. Like, oh, call room service about that coffee. It's yeah. like, oh, you oh, scamp. Sweet. You lovable scamp. He's yeah. a regular Bertie Bowers. Yeah. But like we were saying, too, it's one of those ones that in, in sort of the retrospect of them eventually having shuttlecraft, you're just sitting there the whole time going, send a shuttle? <laughs> What's that giant door in the ass of your ship for if you don't have shuttles yet? Mm. Oh, it may not have been a door at that point. You know, maybe I'm sure there. it was. I'm sure it was probably always a shuttle bay. They probably just. It was probably supposed to be like because where, it's a bad episode. That's yeah. why. That's well, why they didn't send a shuttle. I mean, maybe the conceit was like that was just where cargo was loaded on and off, and the cargo ships would come in but then leave. I mean, it's. It's so, vague. I'm pr- I'm they they sure didn't I've... have the model ready of the of the ship for that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. It no. The the honestly, the reason the shuttle didn't get them is because it wouldn't have served. Yeah. The the the, sh- the show would have been over. Basically, they would they would have rescued the guys in the service, and then they would be like, okay, all right, well now that there's no crisis, we can take all the time we need to deal with the Kirk situation. We'll get it figured out. Yeah. I mean, there's other ways they could have stretched out, but it wouldn't have like. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't have had any urgency regardless. Even if it was like, well, get get back together within forty eight hours, your heads are gonna melt. Well, I mean, so much mm. of what drove Wussy Kirk into sort of put pulling the trigger finally on okay, yeah, let's let's try out this transporter thing, was just the fact that he knew that the guys on the surface were were gonna die. Yeah. They probably could have gotten around that if they had continued on with the, like, your your bad half is dying thing. Because there's that moment where Beastly Kirk is, like, his vitals are all over the fucking place. Right. And Kirk is like, I'll talk you through this, man. We're gonna pull through. But, like, I think that if they had decided to do away with the on-planet shit and had shuttles, they could have probably dealt more with, like, I don't know, Jim. He's only got hours to live, Jim. Oh, damn it, Jim. You know, so... 
Yeah, again, again, that's another thing that part of the plot that the writers just they just dropped it. Like it was important for that scene mm-hmm. that that they oh well they can't survive apart. Okay, we've established that now. That's no longer an issue. Yeah, I you know my memory of the of having watched this episode before for whatever reason. I remembered it differently, what happened with the dog. Because my memory of it was that one half of the dogs just died. Like, the good half dog died. Yeah. Huh. And and that's how they were like, oh, well, clearly all, the good half can't survive on its own. And the bad half, you know. And that was... But obviously, obviously, I just made that up. That was not what happened. Yeah, maybe no, you remembered that... that though because the dog does die. Well, the dog does die, but it was really sad. But that, but it dies for a stupid reason. Yeah, it dies, it, just, it, it dies because oh, it was scared. Yeah, it was put back together, and because it wasn't sentient or had a higher intelligence. No, that, that seems like a good reason. I mean, it it is a, it's a good enough reason for the dog to die, but it's not. A good enough reason to, because it doesn't, because again, that's another thing. Like, oh, well, we established that this reintegration process is very traumatic. Kirk gets reintegrated. He's like, all right, everyone, let's get those guys off the surface. I'm feeling way better now. Yeah. Like, well, we don't, what we don't know is he then actually had to go off and have crippling diarrhea for like literally 36 hours. Yes. It got to the point where he couldn't get off the toilet, so they just brought him an IV of saline to like keep him from drying out. Doc's just like, how you doing? Ugh! That's great. I want to oh, look up who, who, who wrote this crap. <laughs> <laughs> While Jake looks up this crap, I would just like to say that we did get our first He's Dead Jim. And it was the, the puppy. Dog. It yeah. was the dog. A very so so the dog did not die in vain. The dog mm. died to give us lots and lots of comedy gold for years to come. Yeah, because you're right. There had been a few He's Dead, but that was the first He's Dead Jim. He's Dead Jim. Apparently, The Enemy Within is also a 1994 made-for-TV movie Mm. starring Forrest Whitaker. Ooh, he's a good actor. Yeah. Was he ever in Star Trek? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'll Google that while you Google whatever you're Googling. Isn't he in (laughs) Rogue One, actually? That's That's Star Star Wars. Star Trek. No, I know, but I mean, it was like... be funny if he's never been in Star Trek, but now he's in. Was Forrest Gump Gump autistic? No, that's not what I'm trying to find out. We're getting we're getting Gump so far a off. Fictional topic. character. It's um, <laughs> uh, probably yes. a genuine recommendation. Uh, well, well, well. Uh, Jake... Forrest Whitaker was apparently in the 2009 Star Trek. It looks like what? I don't remember now. As who? I don't know, dude. Give me a second. Okay, I'm trying, okay this evidently this episode was written by. Richard Matheson. That name is familiar. Yeah, it is. But he, it looks like that's the only Star Trek episode he's written. Well, thank God. It had its moments. No, I liked it. I, think, I actually I think, did like I it. I think they, they... like. I don't think he originally wanted the B, oh. the B storyline of um, the freezing planet to even be on there. He wanted it just to be about the, the Kirk bit. He was a mm. big he was a big writer of Twilight Zone episodes, but he's also or Twilight Zone, The Outer Limits, Alfred Hitchcock Hour. Oh wow. But his uh, he was also a novelist, uh, writing among other things, I Am Legend. Oh, that's probably where I've heard the name. Yeah. I Am Legend's quite good. Forrest Whitaker is in Rogue One, by the way. Cool. But yeah, I don't know. I was I I thought I remembered this episode being good, and for me, I was just like, there's too many dropped plots, there's too many holes, and there's just, it's just too much bullshit and stretches. You know, okay, here's another example. Spock, when he's talking, when he's trying to explain this whole dual duality of man thing with the evil side and the good side, he pulls just 
just out of nowhere, like, well, my human side and my Vulcan <laughs> side are at war, yeah. and then I also have another side, and it's just like, Spock, no. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that's not an equivalent, man. No, yeah, it's you're, just, you're just naming shit now. You're just naming things that come in pairs. It, it's kind of like there's this amazing moment in the very first episode of Doctor Who, like the 1960s one, where, you know, the first time humans go inside the TARDIS, and it's bigger on the inside, and he's like, what? Well, how? And the doctor's explanation, hand to God, is, do you own a television set? And it's like, what? You know, you project a whole building in there and this and that. And the guy's just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And you're like, no, it fucking doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't make any don't, sense. Don't let him off the hook, Ian. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What we've learned there is that the doctor has absolutely no fucking clue how television yeah, he, works. He really thinks there are people inside well, that, there. Or that he legitimately... <laughs> Doesn't know how the TARDIS works, which is believable. Maybe both. Yeah. Uh, I was wrong. It said, for some reason, when I searched for Whitaker Star Trek, it, like, gave me a link to the 2009 film, but I was scoured the entire cast and didn't find him, so... Yeah, like, I was gonna say, if he was in there, he was under a pile yeah, of latex like, un- and a cameo. Yeah, like, uncredited and stuff. Yeah, I didn't... So, I don't know. The internet yeah. lied to me. But he is in Rogue One, maybe. Yes, he is in Rogue One. The other big star franchise. For me, uh, I'm going to give uh, Enemy Within uh, two Kirks down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess if you choose to focus on just sort of the character aspect of it and ignore all the illogical bullshit, it, it works in that regard. I mean, there's certainly worse episodes of Star Trek. Oh, sure. sure. Well, you know, like, I think you could put this one on and enjoy it. Again, if you just focus on, let's watch Shatner be kind of crazy and yeah, let's play Shatner Spot fight. the Double. Yeah, watch him fight himself, which is yeah. always entertaining. Yeah. I would argue that if you view it as uh, the introduction to a Shatner on Shatner porn, that it is a very good episode <laughs> indeed. You wanted them to touch dicks so, so bad. bad. I wish that someone had been keeping track. I swear to God, I must have said, touch dicks, like 20 times. So many times. I'm pretty sure that's, that's adequate as well. Yeah, yeah, like maybe more than 20. Maybe. But anyway. So one you know, one other thing that, that irritated me, or, or that just sort of rubbed me the wrong way, was, again, uh, when, when they're having their little, after their little scene where they track down bad Kirk in, in the engine room and blow up... Evidently, Evil Kirk blows up part of the transporter. <laughs> you know, the one thing that they need is just the thing that he happens to hit when he fires yeah. his gun wildly. But, and, oh, good. And then, you know, and then Scotty's like, oh, it'll take me a week to fix it, Captain. And then, like, the very next scene is like, oh, we found a workaround. We got it sorted out. It's like, dude, what the? Why even have that? Why even have the bar- Well, if we can retcon it. Well, yeah, there's no reason narratively that's true. But if we can retcon at least Scotty's part in it, it's because you know he likes to exaggerate how difficult shit is so he can look squish. Well, yeah, but I mean, they could they they could have easily been like, oh, no, Scotty just fixed it because he's a miracle man. But no, it's yeah. like, they, the way they explained it was like, oh, no, no, we, fa- we just found another thing. We found another Which, way to do it. Well, the one thing that doesn't make sense is like, why were so many important components for the transporter in main engineering? Like, I get that the power for it has to come via main engineering, but the way they talk, like, most of the most important bits of the transporter are nowhere near the transporter. It's apparently just for show. Yeah. It's very strange. Uh, But at least we got that great moment where Scotty was like, Oh, we found what's wrong with the transporter, Captain. Why is he from Liverpool? Liverpool, I don't fucking know, but he is. (laughs) And they found the problem. How was it that, uh, was it Craig Ferguson who 
described him as sounding like a Pakistani who'd had a stroke. Yes, yes, it was Craig Ferguson. So we at least it was worth it for that because that was hilarious. Oh, yeah. I found what's wrong with it, Captain. There's they, a big fucking hole in it. <laughs> well, and they all do kind of make faces at each other in the other room, like no one tells Scotty that was us. Uh, Poor Scotty. I noticed, too, both these episodes ended with the issue being solved via a theoretical attempt. Because mm-hmm. in the last one, it was like, you know, in theory, this cold intermix thing should work. In theory, this teleporting hoodly do should work. And it's just, I don't know, kind of a funny thing to see back to back that in both cases, we're like, we're going to try it! Shrug! Well, at least the, like, antimatter mixing with matter thing you kind of felt like they had talked about it before and yeah. they had been taught in class that it was a bad idea but yeah. you could possibly make it work. Whereas this transporter thing was just them going, I don't fucking know. We tried to make them touch dicks. What are we going to do? Put them in the teleporter. I don't give a fuck. I don't know. You know? So, just feel like <laughs> they've tried everything else. You I mean, know? you know, we know, we, we know <laughs> with, the, with the benefit of hindsight and future Star Trek instances that whenever the transporter fucks you up, you can get unfucked up using the transporter. Really? Um, I know there. I know there are many so more motion pictures. Yeah, they, 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 well, yeah. In that times, it literally turns yeah, you inside if out. If you die in the transporter, you're done. But if you're just like, like if you die in the game, you're dying. Yeah. If the transporter splits your personalities in half, you can use a transporter to get back. If the transporter sends you to an alternate universe, you can use a transporter yeah. to get back. If the transporter turns you into a child, you can use the transporter to become an adult again. So the transporter is just a, another very dangerous piece of machinery on the on the ship. I actually I actually thought to myself while watching this episode, uh, trouble with the transporter in the original series is is as to trouble with the holodeck in TNG. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, this again. Okay, we were talking about precedents being started in. Star Trek. This is definitely a time when some something that is a recurring thing in Star Trek. The transporter fucks up. Uh, this is the first of those. Yeah, it fucks up in a non-lethal shenanigans way. Mm. Tell that to the dog. Too that soon. wasn't the transporter that killed him. That was his own tiny animal brain. Whatever the transporter has to tell itself to get through the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also I'm also kind of now wondering if we need to start like a running tally of times that Janice Rand is a victim of sexual assault. God, I, mean, I how hope many, that's the last how many times she three for three, three in her appearances. Oh, Charlie Charlie goes after her. Yeah. The creepy guy in the hallway in in the yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, space madness, space, space madness, and then Captain Kirk himself. Yeah, I don't know. The very first we see her when she's in Man Trap, I think. When she's walking by with with a with a plate of food and some some various crew members look and say, "Oh, don't you wish you could have a, your own very your own personal yeoman like yeah yeah yeoman like that?" Mm. Yeah, so I guess oh. she's not really. No one really creeps on her, but they do make a yeah. There's some. There's definitely some pass at her after she's out of earshot. If I was Yeoman Rand, I'd be like, "Can I like just switch to any other fucking ship?" Because I know it wasn't the captain, but part of the captain's like in there. super ego or something yeah. tried to rape me. So I'm all set with seeing the then, face of my attacker every day. Yeah. And then there's that weird thing at the end where like they have like some acknowledgement about it yeah. on the bridge, like right at the end where they look at each other and they're like so that uh, yeoman uh, and she's like oh I understand or something it's like oh okay cool great all's forgiven the 60s are wonderful again not really a plot hole but certainly something that's not addressed that probably could or should be I think the implication is that reintegrated Kirk that we see at the end has the memories of good Kirk 
Does he also have the memories of evil Kirk? Like, is there... Does oh, he God. have double time for that? Like, Fuck. I didn't think of that. Like, who... Like, it, did, did, can he remember the fight from both ends? Right. The implication, I thought... Shit. Oh. I think the implication is that he's only retained the consciousness of good Kirk. And yeah. I think that's what Kirk would like you to think. Sure. Because he probably doesn't want to remember doing all that awful stuff. Yeah. But no, that's a fair question. Again, something that could, be, could have been addressed, or... Probably better left not addressed, but yeah, yeah, that's and really dark. That's an Holy existential shit. nightmare. Mm. So that sounds a lot about existential. Because nightmares. now imagine him looking at Yeoman Rand, yeah, having Jesus remembered having, now, having put his mouth all over her yeah. face. He would remember having done that, even if it wasn't technically him, but it was. Like the laws haven't been written to deal with this fucking scenario. And I think, I think at the end of the day, that. That right there, even though it's not something that I would have expected them to necessarily address, is one of the key things that, you know, is something that a well-conceived science fiction story would address. But at the end of the day, this was really just a a very skin-deep television episode about a guy, Dr. Jekyll and Hyde. And it's just, you know. I feel like that's also maybe really if you get right down to it, even if they wanted to go that deep into it, that's something the network might have put the kibosh on. Like, let's not reinforce the fact that once he's back together, technically, Kirk himself did in fact do these things. And you're just like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, We don't want that on our viewers' minds. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, our our first sort of... uh, Maybe episode that is, I don't know, we're all sort of a mixed feelings, but Jake... I'm is, not, I'm, I'm a little down on this one. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would go so far as to say, for me, it's the first episode that I did not enjoy, by and large. Yeah, I'd say again, I think having heard your arguments, I'm, I can see that, and I think that to enjoy it, I have to just focus on the character part, the, the Shatner being Shatner thing, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I was always bothered, bothered? Bothered by the whole lack of shuttlecraft thing, but there's just... All sorts of other issues that, that are a yeah. little more plain now. How about you two? I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. I mean, I, again, I thought it was uncomfortable. Like, there were uncomfortable Super moments. Uncomfortable, but, yeah. like I said, better to have the uncomfortable moments, I think. Than, oh, yeah, yeah. Than to just go for the, for cheap episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, that, that part actually was handled, I think, pretty well. They were yeah, very... Realistic about it. I, uh, but also, they were taking her word for it. He was like, yeah. no, actually, she totally said it was you, so what's up with that? And yeah. he was like, uh... I did read somewhere, and this was a little odd, that you know, they, they filmed the, the sexual assault scene one day, and poor actress who plays Rand... Grace Lee Whitney. Grace Lee, and poor Grace Lee Whitney had to do all of that and Ugh. do the acting. And then another time when they did the telling everybody about it... And and pointing at Kirk and saying, "Yeah, you're, you did this. What's up? What's going on?" Um, she was in a very different mindset because she was no longer moving so seamlessly from one scene to the next, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And apparently, Shatner struck her in the face to get her to like find that mindset. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ! With consent, or he was just like, "Stop looking at me dreamily, yeoman." The article didn't didn't say which way. <laughs> All I know is that it's like a Suicide Squad set. Oh my god, (laughs) that fucking thing! Uh, It's not as bad as that, but it's not great. They did, they did have to fight each other at the director's cackling. Yeah, but Jared Leto also was like sending his castmates used condoms. He's a dead fucking psychopath. Oh boy. Anywho, Uh, (laughs) yeah, and you know, I just want to clarify. You know, although I was not, although I have a lot of problems with this episode uh, from a storytelling perspective, I agree that there was it was a good showcasing of of 
the acting talents of the cast. So I mean, you know, and I did I did like I think Sulu and his plight was sort of the highlight for me. The freezing yeah, to death. Yeah, he did. He did well. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, his acting and you know just sort of that story and and I thought that did all right. Actually, I wanted to just jump back real, real briefly to something that I meant to bring up when we were talking about Space Madness. Naked time? Yeah. I noticed one of the things that they did in that episode is twice during the episode, they had um, the female crew members jump in to do jobs that aren't normally theirs. They oh, yeah. They put Uhura, Uhura at the... At she the, jumped onto the, the con. She, well, she jumped yeah. onto the con, I think. And, and they put Janice at Nav at some point. Yeah, she, and she went on to the... And went to the helm. Um, and they just sort of did it, which yeah. I thought was... You know, I think that there's been some criticism over the years of, oh, you know, Janice just hangs around the bridge and looks pretty and, mm. and you know, Uhura just talks to the computer all the time. I but, have one job on this ship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I thought it was interesting how they just showed that, oh, well, you know, even though those are their normal jobs, everybody on the starship, including these women, is equally qualified to just jump on and take the controls yeah. if the need arises. Which is crazy, because, you know, in the real Navy, I'm sure you couldn't just take the comm off and be like, you know how to drive this thing, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's a level of training that is... Kind of crazy by our standards. Yeah, yeah, but I, uh, I don't know. I just, I noticed that. You know, I noticed it when they, when Uhura jumped on, and then later, you know, in like they were really going nuts, and Kirk's just like, Janice, take the con. And she's like, okay. So, so I, thought, I thought that was a neat touch. Yeah. Mm. Any final thoughts before we wrap? This stands to potentially, even with editing, be the longest episode we've yet done. Well, that's good. I mean, it's good when we have things to talk about. I like that we were able to, to disagree about something. I, yeah, I, yeah. It's better. Kind of, be- I, I don't know. I find that I have more to say when I when I'm saying negative things. We we've been agreeing for, for a lot so far. So yeah. it's good. Well, that is it for episode four of A Star to Steer Her By. Uh, thank you for listening. Do as always, please follow our uh, like our Facebook page, A Star to Steer Her By. We're also on Twitter at sshb podcast and Tumblr under sshb podcast. Uh, next week, episode five, we'll be covering Mud's Women and What Are Little Girls Made Of? So, for A Star to Steer Her By, I'm Chris. I'm Ames. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Jake. Thank you for listening.